0: hello and welcome to your property podcast today is the 14th of april and my name is michelle cairns your host with us we have got harvey from growth properties hi harvey
1: hi michelle how you doing
0: Great to have you with us, and uh, you're you were one of the um, guests in our magazine for the March issue, where we were talking about remote investing. So that was the the article. If people want to find out more about there, so I'm sure we can dig into it into the in the interview. Uh, but first of all, for people who don't know you, um, do you want to give us a bit of background about how you got into property and uh, and and any other stories to start us off with?
1: Okay, excellent. So, yep, yeah, as the art- article suggests, I'm Harvey, I'm a remote property investor. And my why in life is living on my terms. And my mission in my business, my one, my mission statement is to help as many people live on their terms via property, either through coaching or through portfolio building. But uh, yeah, how I got started in property, I, I kind of stumbled into it by mistake when I started property. Uh, not mistake, always wanted to get into it, but I didn't educate myself the internet wasn't quite, it's probably nearly 12 years ago now. So, yeah, the internet quite wasn't what it is today. I uh, always had an interest in property, and this is showing my age a little bit, so I'm probably free, But I remember, like, my interest in property used to be the Gazette, the newspaper, and the middle pages, just always looking there, prices for sale, rents, and, and always have that comparable. And I'm not sure exactly what took me in that direction of liking that. And but it just I was naturally drawn to that. But then uh, I had some money, so uh I had some savings and my mum inherited a property which my name went on to as well. And uh I said to my mum, Can I take some equity out of it? I'll pay the mortgage for it, but just to buy myself a house. And this was in 2009 so right sort of just a year after the 08 crash. And I initially went to buy myself my own residential house and I pulled out of it like uh, twice that like, this happened so i was with a girl as well who i'm no longer with uh and i don't know do you know you have that notion you're not living together you're not really getting on but you think oh we move in together we might just all <laughs> of a sudden start getting along uh, but yeah anyway long story short was uh, twice i pulled out of this and on the second time was on day of exchange of contracts and I thought, what am I doing? One, I'm not really in a happy relationship. Number two, like I've always wanted to get into property. I've got a lump sum of money here. I'd never read a book at this point. Uh, I left school dyslexic, despite obviously it's a podcast. You can't see it, but loads of books behind me. I left school dyslexic, so i have never read a book at this point. And i have never gone on the internet. I didn't use the internet at this point as well. So it's just an instinct thing. I thought, you know what? Why am I putting this money into a house for myself? Like, I'm going to tie myself up to this massive mortgage, got mortgage on the finance that I've took on this. A big mortgage on the house I'm about to buy, and it's not even my dream home. It's a nice house, but it's not my dream home, and I just couldn't get it. All my friends around me was all buying the houses, and I was like, "This doesn't make sense. Why don't I just follow my dream of trying to get into property?" So it wasn't in this order and it wasn't quite as calculated as this, but I split up with that girl and I thought, you know what, let's go and uh, let's go and get myself property. First thing I've done, I think I probably watched too many homes under the hammer and I went and bought a development site, which I was hoping to develop two, three bedroom houses on there. And yeah, my ambition was just way above my skill level (laughs) and my courage. So once I'd got the property, I massively procrastinated. I went to an auction and I got dummy bid, dummy bidded where they bounce off the walls and I put my hand up and he went, it felt literally as my hand went up, the hammer went down simultaneously. And when it's yours and I bought this land, I was like, Oh, and once I had it, I was like, oh, I have to do something now. And I really procrastinated on it. But yeah, I ended up buying I had a little bit of money left. I bought my first buy to let, which was an hour away. Uh, Cause I, I grew up in a little village called Avery from the age of six, but I was born in London. And but even then, with no education, I really realised that uh, the Avery wasn't an investing location because it's a village. It had no employers, no major sort of train links and things. Uh, but also, uh, didn't kind of hindsight, I should have maybe gone into London then because the prices were so much cheaper. But either way, I went an hour away, which was Southend on Sea, which which uh, was a lot cheaper than Avery, but had more fundamentals. It definitely was a remote, it was an investing location. But also, this was the key to me realising about remote investing because uh, I bought that first, I bought that first flat. I then bought another property, i ran run out of money uh, and then come across the internet and a little bit of education and managed to get uh, a loan and then bought my second property, which was the first BRR done. But I massively realised the one in Southend, I, like this was what broke the 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 mold for me about remote investing. The one in South uh was an hour away, and I remember asking the agent, "Is it okay for buy to let?" Blah blah blah. And he's like, "Yeah," and I, and I, and he said to me, uh, I, "I found out when I rented it out, and luckily I rented to my friend that it was right in the middle of a red light district, so uh, and a heroin." Uh, crack addict area as well so it wasn't like Amsterdam or something that was quite cool and trendy it was yeah really run down at location and then to top it off four doors up from the property i bought was a drug rehabilitation center so you used to have ladies of the night walking past the flat at night time trying to get their heroin fix and then in the morning you see them queuing up at this drug rehabilitation center to get their medicines and their rehabilitation and that was the big breaker for me that realized wow i didn't know south end like i had zero advantage of south end no more advantage than i had in stockton on Tees. in fact i knew stockton on Tees my remote location better because i met a guy from there and this is what I say to everybody: that meeting for me was chance. He moved down, he met a girl I knew. He had a large portfolio. He's got several businesses in the area. That was a chance meeting. But today, you can go on the internet and meet loads of people very easily, you know. And if you find that person in the area, like If I was going to invest in Southend today, with the knowledge I've got now, I'd do the same. I'd go online, I'd network, and I'd find somebody there. I wouldn't invest in Southend because the returns are not there for me. But yeah, it's not so chance. But that was the breaking point for me. But anyway, I started investing remotely. And kind of not really turned back since really. Wow.
0: Okay, that was quite a start then from a uh, plot of land to uh you know these these flats in South the house in South South End. So um what made you think that uh you know this was still for you? Because it sounds like it was a bit of a bumpy start.
1: Yeah, there's bumping bumps all along. <laughs> Even up to recent years, there's always been <laughs> to be bumps. And just, I think they aren't buying them out, they come back again. But uh but yeah, uh the land, luckily enough, although I lost money on the land, and in my head I say it's about nine thousand pounds. But without it, is it's definitely into more like ten thousand 10, plus. But my ego just can't, yeah. can't cope with saying it's <laughs> over ten thousand pounds or so. I've not even had added it up. I've just thought that nine, the sits okay ish. But kind of didn't lose nine thousand pounds. It was an education for me. It really gave me a good education and start. But luckily, it was a delayed response to that. I, I got into another bump again, as I said. So when I bought my first. I bought my first house in buyer refurbished mortgage deal. And this was within 30 minutes of where I, I grew up in Averley. Again, didn't know the area very well but I put over 40 K in the deal back then. And that was, that was after price then as well. And only refinanced that 11 K. Then I bumped into this guy and I found these properties in the North and I put 13 K in refinanced 15 K out on my first deal. It's not as easy as that today, but the first three deals i refinanced that near all my money and had a fantastic return on it. I thought, wow, this is great. And he supported me with builders, let in's. And I was like, wow, this is, this is brilliant. And then I hit a headwind again. I tried opening a coffee shop, uh, called it iCoffee. We put iPads on a table, had all the ideas for it, but I didn't have the passion to run the business. And, and I thought it'd be just as easy as opening it, put someone in there, and it wasn't. Uh, the person I put in there to run it for me quit on day one, and I found myself in there on day two. Wow. I'm Googling how to make a cappuccino. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the sole purpose of, buy, of getting this coffee shop was to get more money to buy these Properties in the north because I was hooked. I wanted more deposits, uh, so uh, it, it it took me to completely opposite end of the, of the scale. It, it actually stopped me from buying for about two years because it got me in a massive financial and well being and mental hole. where I had to climb myself out of again. But I said, lucky enough, the time I climbed myself out of that, I sold the land and it was at a loss. But it had a delayed effect. If I sold it at a loss without doing anything in the middle, it might not have hooked me back in and again i got hooked in from the few deals up north but then i really come across more education and i went to multiple streams of property income and it blew my mind and it's the same time i had a coffee shop and but every trainer there said only invest where you know or within an hour so i'm very humble when it comes to learning i'm a lifelong student i i, I, I will learn from people as long as somebody tells me something that's logical i'm happy to change my thinking in a flash But where I went there, the power of the collective group, and I was like, wow, obviously, I've done five, six deals. These have done hundreds of deals. They know better than me. So I thought I'm going to invest locally again. So the only thing that worked locally was HMOs. So I've got a JV partner, which was great. They funded it, done a HMO. But I soon realized like I don't mind HMOs, I've got more HMOs and would buy another HMO again. But it's not my favourite strategy because of the regulation, the doors, we had planning issues with it. Like the, the refurb was much more trickier. And then raising that level of capital from somebody was mo- much more hard. And, and I soon realized th- at this point, my second tenant moved into the flat. As the first tenant, I think I was quite lucky with it, is my friend, and I think he secretly liked these ladies of the nights walking around. But the second tenant, we literally, because it's a three-bedroom, we, we advertised it so cheap that, it, that housing benefits were going in there. That the price between housing benefits and three bedrooms was about three to £400 a month difference. So we aligned it for that, just knowing that, look... And when she moved in, we was like, look, it's not a great area, do you know it? Like... And I was like, well, what do you think? I said, well, why we just think this is priced accordingly for the location. If you want more room, go with this. If you want a nicer location, maybe go somewhere else. And she moved in within a week. She was like, oh, no, prostitutes are walking past my house. And that really dropped the penny for me again. I was like, wow, I don't know. Within an hour, I can't invest in eight. My, my advantage of knowing the streets inside out was Avery And like within an hour I don't know that and I'm not in fact I know Stockton better because I've got that guy there and that's what broke the the thing for me again so I got a HMO locally had loads of planning issues with it then realised you know what I can do it in Stockton on Tees, and, T's and uh, I went back to going back after that, after that little audition with the coffee shop and everything. But yeah, I don't know. I think then properties in the single let properties are the ones that really attract me still to this day. I know they're not get rich quick and they're not as big incomes, but I just when you're doing correctly, we've got tenants. That have, I've got, I've got some, I've got one tenant in one of the properties. It's been there for like nine years, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's this attractive point for me. Yeah.
0: It's, um. It- it's getting that balance is it? and a lot of people who are looking especially if they're into the education at the moment and realizing what can be done um the high profits from the HMOs are very attractive especially if they're really motivated to get out of the day job and like you said there it's I think it's good to have a mix if you you know really need to get out of work or you, you need that cash flow then HMOs are great and that's probably the quickest way to get to that route um but you know they're not for the faint-hearted they come with a lot of extra work and hassle and management and yeah you can get a managing agent on board but you really need to know what you're doing it's not just like buy a two up two down down the road that's going to kind of someone's living in there for uh long term and settling in it's it's a very different beast isn't it (laughs)
1: Absolutely. I had this debate on uh, Clubhouse the other day, funny enough. And somebody was saying, Experience HMO. And they're like, No, nah, I think people overcom- are still of the heart. Look, it's not for everybody. It's depending on your why. There is always an exception of the rule, but I've always looked at it like a pyramid. Uh, and i took loads of good learnings away from multiple streams of property income uh, apart from the hour rule thing everything else was absolutely b- spot on for me and they said look start off with your single let's at the bottom cut your teeth get used to refurb, get used to managing tenants when when the stakes are lower and it's a bit easier then graduate up to the hmo and surf the park accommodation then up to commercial conversions then up to development i would spun that obviously triangle upside down and tried doing development straight away and paid the cost for that. And it's not to say everybody couldn't do that, just because I couldn't do it, don't mean anybody else could. But there's a trade-off in the middle. If you go, if you jump up that ladder anymore, you've always got to accept there's going to be some level of trade-off. The levels of anxiety, stress, complication is going to be higher, the higher up you go, and the risk is going to be slightly higher as well. And no matter how much, like somebody, as I said, I was having a conversation with somebody, and I was like, yeah, I think people overcome. I said, no matter how simplified you put, HMOs is still more complicated than single X. <laughs> And, but the thing is, this is why I, I'll talk about remote investing. because The problem is, if you're in London or around London, it just don't work. Single lets just don't work, you know. Uh, but like I said, like, you don't have to buy loads of them. But if you just get used to it and get over the fear, because buying any house at the start, when you've never bought a house before, and this is what I was saying to the guys in the conversation, with. maybe it's simplified to you because you've got hundreds of them. But somebody starting out, most people just can't get over that point. You need something simple. Anybody that exercises and knows about a keto diet or knows about this advanced diet, they say it's simple. Just do this, this and this. But for someone starting out, they need something so small to get them over that, that starting point, often to get that momentum going to move forward. There is exceptional rules. Some people can jump above that. And it is fantastic. too. some people got a brother who's already got HMOs or who's a builder. And in them circumstances, it's a lot easier as well. But always accept. I've got shiny penny syndrome. As Soon as I earned a thousand pounds from one property, I was like, wow, I jumped straight on it. And then I realized, God, it's a lot more complication to this. And, and I would have done training with Mark Homer and the HMO daddy at the time. So I got trained by credible people and it still took me years to implement what i got trained because knowing and implementing it, because there's so many moving parts to it took me a long while because I partly because of me as well, not just because it wasn't implementable, but because there were so many moving parts to it and I was spinning too many plates as well. It wasn't as easy as oh, I've got the knowledge, kick my finger and it fell into place. You know, there was a trade off for that.
0: Yeah. There's absolutely a cost to pay whichever route you go. So whether that's, you know, you get educated and try and fast track yourself, then, you, you know, if you're playing at a higher level than perhaps your experience, then there's more, like you say, there's more risk and more cost and more, uh potential stress going on um but the, obviously the single let route takes longer so i think you've just got to work out work out what resources you've got available what contacts how much money how much time how much headspace is one i think people just don't forget you know they forget or they, they don't realize how much is involved um you know things like having to think about all the legislation and, and compliance side as well so yeah like i say it's, it's it can be done um, it's just at what cost either way so um, sounds like you've you know it's been a bit of trial and error along the way and, and seeing what you know where you can kind of what what strategy fits you as well as you know what is the most attractive strategy I think that's really important is just um, working out what's what you're looking to achieve long term not just for those kind of the immediate shiny penny, the the high cash flow but um overall in, in, in your lifestyle I suppose um, so what uh, what you know what what's the plan now and where have you ended up settling down you said about the single lets but um is that is that your kind of main focus now in in just acquiring them kind of slowly and surely over the years or is it just still anything with a, a great margin I guess you know being as prolific as you are in the in networking and uh, you know put yourself out there in social media you must get a lot of deals sent your way as well
1: yeah, so absolutely. So I will work on mainly what works. I'm happy to do anything. I've done commercial, done HMOs. If they work and they stack, and I feel I've got the time and effort. Like I did have, uh, a, 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 like a commercial opportunity come my way, but I did kind of have second thoughts against it at the time, and I didn't pursue it because uh, just recently, because I knew there's going to be a time cost of that of me, and it's not an area I've even I've done them. Not an area I'm massively. Experience or skilled on, and last time I've done one, I've done it with some. Last two times was with two people as partners, a JV with them, with the hope that look, I've got the location and the network and the location. You've got a bit more building area. It's an area I'm not, I'm not, in, I'm not that interested or very skilled at. Uh, plannings and all these sort of intricately parts. I'm like, okay, you can come this side of it and I've got the area that side and we can make a good JV. But the the, the what happened with it, they both both perfect candidates if they had the time to give to it, which they didn't. So a lot of it ended up landing on back onto me, which I didn't want that side of it. So going into it again now, I'm like, I didn't like that when I had a JV partner and it got too much weight on me. So going on onto it on my own, am I interested... I keep on talking with a little bit more because I've got a bigger, better team now, better systems in my team to support that and to support some of the areas I'm not so keen on. Uh, also as well with learnings, like I was terrible for trying to find a bargain. I'd be on eBay for five hours looking to spot a cheapest sink. And I'm like five hours of my time is not worth the 30 pound saving I've manned on this sink, you know? So, uh, so some now getting a better mindset and a value of my time that i probably would use an uh, a project manager not probably i definitely would use a project manager on this so yeah i've got my eye keenly out there at the moment for projects mainly single that so I, I feel steady steady wings the race the last co- like when we done the commercial conversion the money we put into that i looked at it at the time as well when the market was like well wow, the cash that went into that in that same period from start to completion we could have bought probably six single properties with the same amount of money at the same amount of equity in there, and probably the same, probably a bit more income from it. So even though we didn't have it in one go and in one unit, it just steady, steady wins the race when you go along. And the same with the HMO. We've done a HMO, and I'm like, wow, like the same money I put into that over the period of time it takes to develop it. Because most HMOs, and again, this is a conversation I've got into that person, and like not all of them have to be on suites. I said, but then ones you can't really refinance are just bricks and mortar. To do the momentum investing, you really have to go down the route of planning on suites, turning it into a commercial unit, and then getting that forced appreciation up that way. But I said, most of the time in my head, by the time you're, you'd need at least 60K refurb after time, yeah. then you're purchasing costs. So by the time you spent that amount of money, that amount of cost for me to steady along. I could buy single let properties putting in about 25k into each one each time and at the end of it have a very similar income, maybe slightly lower, but that said the, the stress levels and Everything from that is, is 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 not it's not there. So I would take them on, uh, but I am much more cautious. But mainly single lets. I am looking at a few HMOs at the moment. We've got we've got some housing providers in our area as well that take them on, like the ten year. I've right. just put one to them HMO. So I am looking for something like that again because. It's, it, it bypasses all the hassle from the HMO. Literally, they do the repairs, the licensing, everything. So, yeah, I'm looking for another one of those saying that, but finding the suitable property that they would take in the area, which is big enough to convert, is a bit more of a challenge at the moment.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And so looking at those, the opportunities to actually use a big lump sum into and split it into different properties, uh, obviously talking about cheaper areas where you can put the 25K in for the deposit um, and... How how are you kind of building that portfolio with systems if you're doing that remotely then?
1: Uh, so, yeah, one of my little sort of catchphrases, everything you can do in person can be done virtually today or outsourced, but a form of apps will be outsourced. So the powers of, like, and I was on this, I've been preaching this, banging this drum for sort of the last six years. I, I just took a mission about six, seven years ago, after the coffee shop, I had a bit of a burn, so I said mentally and financially put me in a massive hole. And I said to myself, Do "You know what? I'm gonna. One of my goals is one to figure this out, so I can systemize it and run it all through my phone. That was first goal. And the mm-hmm. second goal that linked to that was I want to have monthly breaks to have a re- reset and recharge with my brain. So at that time, I started meditation as well, and, and thought, "You know what? I need to really work on my head. I kept burning myself out, and I was like, look." like my ego says I can drive with it, but the reality, I I can't. So I can't keep doing the same thing, expecting different results, but I don't want to sit on my hands and do nothing. Like like my wife was very nervous at the time after seeing me go through this burnout going, is it really worth it? And I'm like, I would rather burn out chasing my dreams than sit on my hands doing nothing. But that said, I've got to do something different along the way. So one of the big things was meditation and the other big thing was uh, was, uh, monthly breaks. And up until COVID, I literally had a monthly break every month. Uh, whether that was in a spa hotel, literally around the corner with me and the wife, just to have a chill out, detox from the phone, put the phone down. Or whether that was in the Caribbean, we went on a two-month honeymoon to the Caribbean uh, and travelled to Venice and loads of different places. But the ability to run everything from my phone is is, is, is enabled me to, to be able to do that. And uh, so, 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 yeah... Everything you can do, it is trade-offs. But what I say to people is, trade-off of this is, okay, if I want to buy a single property, my favorite style property, I need probably around 100K where I live. I'd wrap all that money even if I found a house that I could push the free appreciation up. The, the rent caps, the multiplier rent caps stops you from refinancing the money out. So I'm tying that money in. So then if you look at it, a gross return about 4%. When you look at it net, you're looking at a couple of percent. I'd be better off putting it in a multi-asset tracker fund and not having the hassle from tenants. The capital growth has not been the same in the South at the moment. Like, And again, it's because of the price per earnings ratio. The, the foreign investment has massively slowed down in and around London because one, the capital growth's not there. Two, Two, the yields are lower. Three, the taxation's gone up massively with the, the surcharge of stamp duty, the Section 24. So there is the odd overseas buyers still buying in and around London for the trophy but that's just trophy ones people overseas buyers are chasing yields now and investments are in the north because the government done the Paris of the north deal which incentivized them to come to the north so you can bet I don't know exactly what that deal was but you can bet they're not saying why come to the north we want you to invest to restructure the north but we're going to hammer you on tax like we're hammering you in London they're going to say look there's some incentives and breaks and you can see it's happened. It's happened in Manchester, Liverpool, it's got, gone across to Leeds. The government's just gone to Leeds and the government's just gone to uh, just gone to uh, Darlington as well. And you can see the employment. Amazon's just popped up in loads of these places. Even in the, the North East last year, when we was in a crazy property market where everything was going up, the North East actually outperformed London. But I always get it, I get it in all the groups all the time. Everybody says to me, what about the capital growth in the south? I'm saying, what about it? I, I can't see unless banks start lending way above, like like lending above the five percent times multiplier, or they lend above, like they do different structure of lending, or foreign investment gets in, encouraged to come back in, which I don't think the government wants to encourage that because yeah. they they want homeowners. I can't see where the south's going to keep on growing at that exponential rate it did in the past. I see all the best growth not at that exponential rate, all in the north at the moment anyway. So yeah interesting time who knows i've only i've not got a crystal wall i wish i did have but even with or without but uh going back to your original thing sorry i went on a tangent now yeah everything can be done virtually today you know like there's so many systems you can set up in place to do it and there is trade-offs it is nice to walk in the property but the big trade-off for me is 100k tied up in a single property or mm. find 15k for deposit and just do a viewing view virtually and then drive up for a few hours and check it out once i've had my offer accepted so yeah there's slight trade-offs but the the trade-offs are worth it for me maybe not for everybody but definitely not for everybody so i say but yeah they're worth it
0: yeah because it sounds like you know with a mix of your portfolio you've got um there's a lot of moving parts there's a lot of different types of properties different types of tenants different areas so you know are there any kind of key systems that you've got that you manage like through your phone where uh, that really kind of help it is it uh you know like uh hmo software or um tenant software to manage them is there like one, yeah. or a few different ones? What, what are your top tips for people listening?
1: Yeah, so the top tip is task management software. So for anybody, any business, whether you're working locally or remotely, Every business needs task management software. Get out of your emails, get out of WhatsApp, get out of Messenger where it's busy and distracting. So my phone is on Do Not Disturb, All not Do Not Disturb, is on uh, all the notifications are switched off. Yeah. I've done that about yeah. five years ago and it's the best thing I've ever done. I do miss it's... the odd thing, but the trade-off of the missing the odd thing is way worth the benefits it gives me back from my focus. If all our communications is through an app called, uh, software called uh, Basecamp, it's not a property one, just a task management software. So everything gets logged in certain areas and it comes as reminders you just don't miss tasks and you keep all your communications in a place where you don't get distracted and that's been really my virtual office because I've got team members in the north in the south in the Philippines and in Colombia and we accumulate you do miss like that in office environment we do miss that a bit but not to the point where the trade-offs yeah. again you have to just weigh up the trade-offs of what I can do and buy but I do buy in one area and and I don't scatter gun across the North. I'm in Teesside and just buy in one area because I built up my, my team and, uh, And like a network, the one of the most difficult things in any business is a team and a network. And so if you go, if I went to Stockton Tees, Liverpool, Manchester, it'd be so difficult to to keep on building up their Mm. networks in multiple areas. So I'll stick to one. But yeah, task management software is the best one. We actually have got a lettings company now as well. So we use a lettings software, but... If I was a landlord, I'd use this. It's called 1090. It's a really, really good. It's bet... We tried out ARFA, uh, uh, Landlord Landlo- Vision, loads of these different ones. In found a lot of them didn't match us, especially because we was managing other people's properties. We jumped to this one and it was like, wow, Like there's a lot more to this. Even if you're not a letting agent, like yeah, I found it Yeah, really, really good CRM system for a property.
0: Wow. So what is a good deal for you now or a great deal? What makes the cut if you're looking at, let's say, single lets? uh single and side.
1: So single lets for me it's always been pretty much the same. I like to get a roughly eight percent gross yield. And I say a reason I talk about gross yields on single lets and T side is because I, I, I've got a methodology. I call it the Kiss Refurbishment Methodology, and I've got it from that Navy SEAL acronym: Keep It Simple, Stupid. If you're going to do a remote refurb, don't take on massive ones. Like I could take a bigger one on now because I've got a team and network in the area. But even if you're doing it locally, take a simpler one on first. Get used to it. Trades let you down, even when you're experienced. Trades don't turn up. You know, and if you want to take. You can work. I've done a refurb literally a few months ago, and I thought it was going to be two grand. It came in at three grand. It's quite a way off, and I've done hundreds of them. You know, so even at my level of experience not that I'm great at it I'm not trying to proclaim I'm great at it but even at my experience I still get these wrong and, and everybody can so on a smaller one if you keep it simple uh it, it, it makes it a lot easier. So for me, I like doing under 15K refurbs, maybe creeping to 20K, but usually the sweet spot is at about 10K, we can change the kitchen, we can change the carpets, we can we can uh, change the bathroom. We can really make it like a brand new house makes, where we get the LMPG discounts and we can make it look like it was a, a 30 grand refurb in, t- in 10 grand. So this really does enough to force the appreciation and get it rented really, really quickly. So I like to force the appreciation up a minimum of 15% of course i'm not like everybody i'd like that 25 percent because if you're doing the buyer refurbish refinance model that's the magic number to refinance your funds at but they're quite unicorn deals at the moment and for for me it's like sometimes you've got to weigh up where you are and what availabilities of funds you've got so if you've got good availabilities of funds the time opportunity cost of leaving your money there sometimes don't weigh out trying to chase this mythical unicorn deal that you might spot once a year or a couple of times a year so But yeah, usually 15% minimum uplift. I like an 8% gross yield, but that's because the refurbs. I work the gross yields out because the refurbs are are literally under 15k if i was doing a refurb at 40k i wouldn't work a gross yield out i'd be working more my net yield and my return on capital employed the return on capital employed varies i've just literally got a revaluation in yesterday for one and i bought it for 70k we spent four i spent 4600 on it uh it's just been revalued at 97 so uh it's going to leave about, I don't know exact figures. I'm terrible at exact figures anyway, but it's we're going to leave in around 5K to short maybe four. But even on the 5K figure, it's giving me about 57% return on capital employed. So yeah, I'd like double figures return on capital employed, like 20% plus. Yeah. And yeah. It's
0: got to be worth the effort, right?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. So what's, uh, you know, what, what you're going to be looking at going forward then, future, other than, you're talking about the coaching there and, you know, where can pe- people find out more about what you're up to?
1: Yeah. So I've been working more over the last, over the last two years, I've been working more like to buy properties for other investors, but I've been working more. I've been investing in my company, systems, team and procedures because I think people underestimate that as an asset and in my personal brand like so if you can build out youtube channels instagram pages this is an asset that will continually work for you going forward and probably more powerful than a single let so i've been investing in that more than houses uh for myself apart i've still been buying houses so i've still got my finger on the pulse i buy them for my investors but i've been investing my team my company and my training but also when i put it just like apples for apples and I compare them what I prefer doing more do I prefer like when we really scaled scaled up for us it wasn't massive for some people but we bought close to 50 houses remotely in a two year period so it was quite a crazy time and quite hectic when I look back do I want to get to that scale again no I'm happily chicken along maybe 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 10 a year is, is the maximum I, I, I'd like to be at and that's what we could probably take on capacity-wise. I don't want to deal with multiple refurb, multiple builders. If I've done something bigger, I'll source that. But I actually really enjoy it, sharing knowledge and watching people get guided. So more of my energy is going towards the training, not because of the like profit side of it, purely because the enjoyable side of it. It's fantastic! I can earn earn a profit. That's something I enjoy so much. Mm-hmm. But I'm always going to buy houses. I, I I I love houses. Houses as an asset class. So that's never going to stop. I've got no desire to get back to buying. Like like I said, one year, I think we bought close to 30 properties in one year. I've got no desire to get back Mm -hmm. to that, but just steady along. Maybe a a, a development, uh, if I find the right one, and a few HMOs again, but just steady as you go. But uh, how they can find me is just Harvey growth properties is my handle everywhere. So I'm on Instagram quite a lot at the moment as a result of clubhouse. Cause I've been on there quite a bit and it's feeding through, but I've got a not a, a really engaged uh, Facebook group as well. So remote property investing community. It's not a big group. It's, it's only 10 months old. We've got, As time of recording, we've got just over 1,800 users in there, but there's 1,600 active users in the group. So it's a really, really engaged community. So you can find me in there. I'm in there every Sunday doing a live free training and Q&A and Instagram or or any any of the handles. You just search my handles. You can find me on YouTube and all them Harvey Growth Properties.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Will. I will put those in the show notes as well. And just as a reminder, reminder, your article was in the March edition of the YPN magazine. So for anyone who is not yet a subscriber, please click in the show notes and you can get your free copy of the magazine as well as all the back issues uh, and the digital copies. So thank you very much for your time, Harvey, today. And uh, it's been great to hear your story. It's a bit different than a lot of people's. And, uh, it's you know, it's been great to kind of see how you've grown from, uh, the first plot of land right through to today. So well done.
1: <laughs> thank you very much. And thank you for uh, having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Love love what you all represent. Love love what you do. Love the YPN magazine. Been a subscriber for, oh, wow, must be six, seven years now. And, and always look forward to my edition coming through. So keep up the good work with that and keep up the good work with what you do and, and keep up the good work with your social media presence. I've been following you personally and obviously the YPN online. So yeah, really enjoy that. And thank you very much.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, uh, look forward to seeing you uh, soon and maybe have you back in the future. see where you're up to. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Harvey. Bye.